Hi there, this is Erin Nicole, and you're listening to the Move Happy Movement podcast. On this show, I interviewed people from all over the world, um, just about every continent except for Antarctica represented, I believe, so far. Um, but lately, I've been doing sermons from the divine. In our household, we worship the Holy Trinity, Father of all of us, His Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I share music with you on the show that I create that's in alignment with the topic. And the whole purpose of this show is to help empower you to find happiness from within. Especially if you struggle with depression, depressed state, bad, tough season, or you know someone that does. Uh, the Holy Spirit was uh, nudging on my heart as I was listening to one of my mentor ministers, um, Joyce Myers. If you don't know her, definitely need to... Uh, tune into her. She's been doing uh, ministry for like, I think, 45 years or so, maybe more. She's she's funny. She's funny to listen to. She's authentic. She uses literature. And as I was listening to her sermon she released a few days ago on the Holy Spirit and the different attributes of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit whispered to me my topic for my sermon. So I thought, isn't that interesting? So the topic is, without further ado, Joan of Arc. Now, the first thing that came to mind was when I was in safe housing and then we got kicked out of safe housing, I had met a, a homeless veteran who had took me under his wing. Um, I was I was sent to him from uh, President Biden's top security man for protections in 2020 uh, because there was a hit put on my life and that person that had sent me to him had received the order of the hit, but he wanted to protect me. So he sent me to, to uh, Trump's top security guy, but I didn't know it at the time. He said, you're going to meet a homeless veteran in the safe house when you get there and uh, you can trust him. Because my technologies got compromised. I received cybersecurity scan from the top cyber guy from one of the original five from Apple and Microsoft. And at that time, he worked for a company of 1,300 employees. Last year, he worked for Visa. They've killed him. It's been, it's been uh, an intense three years for me and for a lot of people since the pandemic. A lot of people. Um, I, a few weeks before getting into safe housing uh, in October of 2020, I had, uh, there was a, a PhD in divinity that had conned her way onto my team as a volunteer over the course of a year, had slithered her way as the enemy does, right? He loves to deceive. This was a wolf in sheep's clothing that had spent over a year studying my content to try to get me to join this group. Um, they, she never identified the name of the group, but uh, my hero, my protector of 2020, believed that she was from the Illuminati. I said they tried to get me to join their group in 2018. In 2019, I kept telling them no. They would reach out to me on the Instagram, direct messages with the little triangle and the eye in the middle. It was really weird. I just thought they were little gnats, like no big deal. I had no idea they were sacrificing children in private and they're the richest of the richest organization. They're in every organization all over the world. They're the super mega rich. And 
I mean, we're talking ridiculous amounts of money. Meanwhile, there's all these people that are starving around the world. There's all these people that are homeless around the world. It's disgusting. And they are drinking the blood. They are sacrificing children, torturing children on purpose, and then drinking their blood to stay looking younger. It's a vanity thing. I had no idea. She had told me. Because the rich of the rich, they created this contest amongst themselves, for themselves, in cohesion with the pandemic. Whether you want to believe it or not, I'm telling you the truth from my life experience, from my perspective. She told me they were adding major uh, positions to every nation in the world. Every major nation was receiving mental health ambassadors. And I was in the nominations. That was why she had reached out to try to help me. Quote, unquote. She was a uh, PhD in divinity, former NFL cheerleader, sold her music to Grammy Award winning artists, gave 100% of the rights away. She told me she wasn't allowed to keep any credit in her private church group. She told me she was going to have her, her husband ask the elders of their church to get me funding for my business. And then she paid to have me killed and tried to destroy my uh, all of my intellectual properties because she's a part of that group and they're good with tech because they have all the money to pay cyber hackers from all over the world and I survived it like that was in 2020 but it's continued to go on because they had to convince her not to kill me so they signed a contract to steal from me for three years they had to make it look so convincing they didn't tell me that there was a contract. The Holy Spirit reveals things to me. And as I was listening to Joyce Meyer's sermon on the Holy Spirit, she said, there's different attributes of the Holy Spirit. Somehow you will know things that you don't know. You know that you know something, you reveal something, you don't know how you know it. I just know. It's a confidence. It's, it's what the Holy Spirit is living and breathing inside me because he cares for his children. And first safe house I met him at, we got kicked out because uh, all of us homeless people did. We were all displaced because the person there that was working there got in trouble for allowing people that were using drugs uh, to use the rooms. They weren't paying for for their rooms and they weren't applying for the assistance like we were applying for and following procedures. They got fired, they retaliated, called corporate, and got us all kicked out because of legality things. We weren't supposed to stay in there longer than 26 days. So anybody that was in there longer than 26 days uh, was removed out of there. I would have stayed there, but then I would have been separate from my hero, my protector, and I was completely isolated in a state that wasn't my residency, and I couldn't reach out to any of my associations because the phone calls would be traced if I was by myself, and I had zero money. I needed help. I needed 911 emergency, beyond 911 emergency help, because I called the non-emergency number, the person that had planned and started acting the plans of killing his own mother. They had erased that phone call. So there was people that had targeted me, and uh, he knew it. And uh, he decided to help me and protect me. We got a secondary housing situation. He added me through the VA. 
as his caretaker. I was taking him to doctor's appointments. I was teaching him how to juggle. We were playing. He got me a keyboard off a of marketplace. And uh, we were playing on the keyboard and um, playing some different music stuff together. And then uh, we were in that uh, secondary housing. We wrote two songs together. Um, he was, he was testing me. He was, he wanted to marry me right away. And I was like, dude, I ain't going to marry you for protections. And plus I just met you. I'm like processing. I just like had all this craziness happen to me. I had three big, huge opportunities, huge business opportunities all at once. And the hope act revealed to me from the Holy spirit, just a little bit of it all at once, right before I got into safe housing. I was going to, I had the opportunity to work with Beyonce's dad and be coached by him. That was just one of the three. And uh, a bunch of people got jealous because I refused to join their satanic cult. So they tried to just destroy my life and they paid the top security man that protects President Biden to do it. But uh, he broke some rules for me and <laughs> he got me protections in the third housing so we uh we the second housing ran out and uh i helped i helped him get housing as his caretaker um it was a two bedroom house and so i had my own room when he started to desire to be romantically involved he wanted to cuddle with me and and was crossing the lines and the boundaries of protector person and he he knew that we were going to be married one day I don't know how he knew it but in any case um, I spent some time in my in my room and uh, prayer time and solitude and writing in my journal and the Holy Spirit revealed to me three spirits that live within me one of them was Joan of Arc so I'm going to read a little bit from the internet search if you haven't heard of her before. And uh, I watched a movie a long time ago, I think when I was a teenager, about her. Um, Joan of Arc. Okay, it says French. Jeanne d'Arc, pronounced um, circa 1412 to 30 May 1431. She was 19. She only lived 19 years in the 1400s, and her name is remembered by me in 2023. That's powerful. That her spirit lives on within me. That's what the Holy Spirit revealed to me. So I'm going to read you a little bit about it. Is a patron saint of France, honored as a defender of the French nation for her role in the siege of Orleans and her insistence on the coronation of Charles uh, VII of France during the Hundred Years' War. That's a long time. Claiming to be acting under divine guidance, she became a military leader who transcended gender roles. Interesting. I didn't know that. And gained recognition as a savior of France. Oh, I think she disguised her gender because they wouldn't let women fight. I think that's what that meant. Um, born to Dom Remy Dushi. Duchy of Bar, Kingdom of France, 30th of May, 1431 is when she died, age 19. Ruin 
Normandy, then under English rule. Venerated Roman Catholic Church Anglican Communion. Beatified, April 18, 1909, by Pope P-I-U-X. I'm not sure what beatified means, but I wonder if that's when they add her to the saints list. That might be what it is. And then canonized. There's different canons of the books of the Bible that I know. Um, there are some canons. They're, they're like books that uh, in the Catholic Church, they uh, consider the Apocrypha. There's some extra books that uh, the Christian Church decided they weren't going to include in their version of the Bible. So I'm not sure what that is about. But in 16 May 1920, by Pope Benedict the uh, XV, whatever that's Feast, 30th of May, patronage. Okay, so let's read a little bit about her. <clears throat> Joan was born to a uh, proper tied peasant family at Do Domremy in northeast France. I apologize if I pronounced that wrong. There's a little accent up to the right on the E. In uh, 1428, she requested to be taken to Charles, later testifying that she was guided by visions from the archangel Michael, St. Margaret, and St. Catherine to help save France from English domination. Convinced of her devotion and purity, Charles sent Joan, who was about 17 years old, to the siege of Orleans as part of a relief army. She arrived at the city, of, uh, city in April 1429, wielding her banner and bringing hope to the demoralized French army. Nine days after her arrival, the English abandoned the siege. Joan encouraged the French to aggressively pursue the English during the Loire campaign, which culminated in another decisive victory at Pate, opening the way for the French army to advance on Reims unopposed, where Charles was crowned as the King of France with Joan at his side. These victories boosted French morale, paving the way for their final triumph in the Hundred Years' War several decades later. After Charles' coronation, Joan participated in the unsuccessful Siege of Paris in September 1429 and the failed Siege of La Charité in November. Her role in these defeats reduced the court's faith in her. In early 1430, Joan organized a company of volunteers to relieve Combine, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, C-O-M-P-I-E, and that E has an accent up to the left, uh, G-N-E, which had been besieged by the Burgundians, French allies of the English. She was captured by Burgundian troops on 23 May. After trying unsuccessfully to escape, to escape she was handed to the English in November. She was put on trial by Bishop Pierre Cauchon, C-A-U-C-H-O-N, on accusations of hearsay, which included blaspheming by wearing men's clothes, acting upon visions that were demonic, and refusing to submit her words and deeds to the judgment of the church. She was declared guilty and burned at the stake on 30 May 1431, aged about 19. In 1456, an inquisitorial court reinvestigated Joan's trial and overturned the verdict, declaring that it was tainted by deceit and procedural errors. Wow. Joan has been revered as a martyr 
and viewed as an obedient daughter of the Roman Catholic Church, an early feminist, and a symbol of freedom and independence. After the French Revolution, she became a national symbol of France. In 1920, Joan of Arc was canonized by the Roman Catholic Church, and two years later was declared one of the patron saints of France. She is portrayed in numerous cultural works, including literature, music, paintings, sculptures, and theater. Joan of Arc's name was written in a variety of ways. There is no standard spelling of her name before the 16th century. Her last name was usually written as Dark, D-A-R-C, without an apostrophe. But there are variants such as T-A-R-C, D-A-R-T, or D-A-Y. Her father's name was written as Tart at her trial. She was called Jean de de Dorimi in Charles the Seventh's fourteen twenty nine letter granting her a coat of arms. Joan may never have heard herself called Jean d'Arc. The first written record of her being called by this name was in nineteen or nineteen fourteen fifty five, twenty four years after her death. She was not taught to read and write in her childhood, and so dictated her letters. She may have later learned to sign her name as some of her letters are signed, and she may even have learned to read. Joan referred to herself in the letters as Jean La Pucelle, or as La Pucelle, the maiden, emphasizing her virginity, and she signed Jean in the 16th century. She became known as the maid of Orleans. I want to take a pause and just think... Think this through what I just read out loud to you. She died at 19. That's incredible. She had gifts of prophecy. She shared and she fought in the war. I have gifts of prophecy and both political parties, their top level security, protected me. One was forced, I think, got paid and also threatened to uh, try and damage my reputation while the other covered and protected me, and I married that man. Uh, wow, that makes so much sense. And she never learned how to read. So back in the day, the church, it was only allowed for the richest of the rich to be allowed to learn how to read and to go to school and all of those things. She was from a very low-income family. She never even learned how to read. That's the power of the Holy Spirit and the Trinity, the Holy Trinity, allowing for the most unlikely story to be remembered hundreds of years after. That is so neat. That is so neat. Okay, let's look at her birth and historical background. So, okay, so this is just a map. France, 1429, it's all blue, and the pink, it says, is controlled by Henry VI of England, um, there's, there's, like, um, Paris, Orleans, Troyes, Rennes, England, it looks like, was controlled by Henry VI, uh, there's, like, a purple one that says, um, that was controlled by Philip III of Burgundy, so that was Flanders. Oh my gosh, that's hard to read. Brabant, Picardy, 
Duke of Burgundy and country of Burgundy. And then the blue part was uh, controlled by Charles VII of France. And that's Castillon and Chinon, I think is how you pronounce that. Or Kinon, maybe Kinon. C-H-I-N-O-N. It's been a while since I took my French class in high school. Joan of Arc was born around 1412 in Durham. I think I... Oh, no. Did I read this right? Okay, let's... I'll read you a little bit about this. This is her parents, so let's see if we find anything interesting here. Joan of Arc was born around 1412 in Doremi, a small village in the Meuse Valley, now in the Vosages... Pardon me, I know that's not how you say it. V-O-S-G-E-S department in the northeast of France. Her date of birth is unknown, and her statements about her age were vague. Her parents were Jacques d'Arc and Isabelle Romet. Joan had three brothers and a sister. Her father was a peasant farmer with about 50 acres of land, and he supplemented the family income as a village official, collecting taxes and headed the local watch. The local watch. I wonder what that means. She was born during the Hundred Years' War between England and France, which had begun in 1337, over the status of English territories in France and English claims to the French throne. Nearly all the fighting had taken place in France, devastating its economy. At the time of Joan's birth, France was divided politically. The French king, Charles VI, had recurring bouts of mental illness. Oh, I didn't know that and was often unable to rule. His brothers, Louise, Duke of Orleans, and his cousin, Jean the Fearless, Duke of Burgundy, quarreled over the regency of France. In 1407, the Duke of Burgundy ordered the assassination of the Duke of Orleans. Ooh, so the brother ordered the cousin to die, if I read that right. Wow. Family disputes at their finest. Um... precipitating a civil war. Charles of, or of Orleans succeeded his father as duke at the age of 13 and was placed in the custody of Bernard, Count of Armagnac. Oh, that's because... Ah, that's right. I forgot. Their, um, their uh, life expectancy, I think, was like in the 40s or something back then. Wow, it's been a while since I've read history stuff. Okay, so back to this story. His uh, uh, Count of R. Magnac. His supporters became known as R. Magnacs. I don't know if I'm saying that right. A R M A G N A C S. While supporters of the Duke of Burgundy became known as Burgundians. Men in their names, right? Uh, the future French king, Charles VII, had assumed the title of Dauphin, heir to the throne. After the deaths of his four older brothers, and was associated with the Armagnacs, Henry V of England exploited France's internal divisions when he invaded in 1415. The Burgundians took Paris in 1418. In 1419, the Dauphin offered a truce to negotiate peace with the Duke of Burgundy, but the Duke was assassin assassinated by Charles Armagnac. Partitions during the negotiations. Ooh, that's not good. We got some negotiations coming up October 17th with Trump and uh, Biden. I uh, hope nobody tries to 
killed Trump. I've heard lots of rumors. But, uh, yeah, he's got the best security team in the world. So they tried to kill me 25 times alone. Ain't nobody harming anybody that's protected. And uh, the Holy Spirit told me that he's going to become and should have already been president, but uh, he's going to get into presidency uh, next year. So I ain't worried about nothing for him. All right, back to the story. The new Duke of Burgundy, Philip the Good, allied with the English. Charles VI accused the, da- the Dauphin of murdering the Duke of Burgundy and declared him unfit to inherit the French throne. During a period of illness, Charles' wife, Isabeau of Bavaria, stood in for him and signed the Treaty of Troyes, which gave their daughter, Catherine of Valinois, in marriage to Henry V. See, they're selling their children off. See? They've been doing it. It's right here. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, that was marriage, not sacrificing, so it's a little different, but that's a questionable thing, though. Thank goodness we've come away from that. Catherine of Valois, in marriage to Henry V, granted the succession of the French throne to their heirs. I wonder how old she was. She was probably 12 and he was like 39 or something. Uh, this caused rumors that the Dauphin was not King Charles the sixth son, but the offspring of an adulterous affair between Isabeau and the murdered Duke of Orleans. Drama, drama. In 1422, Henry V and Charles VI died within two months of each other. Uh, coincidences, I don't believe in them. The nine-month-old Henry VI of England was the nominal heir to the Anglo-French dual monarchy, as agreed in the treaty, but the Dauphin also claimed the French throne. Early life. In her youth, Joan did household chores, spun wool, helped her father in the fields, and looked after their animals. Her mother provided Joan's religious education. Much of Domremy lay in the Duchy of Bar, whose precise feudal status was unclear. Though surrounded by pro-Burgundian lands, its people were loyal to the Armagnac cause. <sighs> Excuse me. By 1419, the war had affected the area... And in 1425, Doremi was attacked and cattle were stolen. This led to a sentiment among villagers that the English must be expelled from France to achieve peace. Joan had her first vision after this raid. Joan later testified that when she was 13, around 1425, a figure she identified as St. Michael, surrounded by angels, appeared to her in the garden. After this vision, she she had she swept because or she swept she wept because she wanted to t- she wanted them to take her with them throughout her life she had visions of saint michael a patron saint of doremi area who was seen as a defender of france she stated that she had these visions frequently and that she often had them when the church bells rung her visions also included saint margaret and saint catherine Although Joan never specified, they were probably Margaret of Antioch and Catherine of Alexandria, those most known in the area. Both were known as virgin saints who strove against powerful enemies, were tortured and martyred for their beliefs, and preserved their virtue to the death. Joan testified that she swore a vow of virginity to these voices. 
when a young man from her village alleged that she had a, broken a promise of marriage. Joan stated that she had made him no promises, and his case was dismissed by an ecclesiastical court. During Joan's youth, a prophecy circulating in the French countryside based on the visions of Marie Robin of Avignon promised an armed virgin would come forth to save France. Another prophecy attributed to Merlin stated that a virgin carrying a banner would put an end of France's suffering. Joan implied she was this promised maiden, reminding the people around her that there was a saying that France would be destroyed by a woman but would be restored by a virgin. Wow. In May 1428, she asked her uncle to take her to the nearby town of Valcourlers, where she petitioned the garrison commander, Robert de Baudricourt, for an armed escort to the Armagnac Court at Chinon. Baudricourt harshly refused and sent her home. In July, Doremi was raided by Burgundian forces, which set fire to the town, destroyed the crops, and forced Joan, her family, and the other townspeople to flee. She returned to Valkyrs in January 1429. Her petition was refused again, but by this time she had gained the support of two Baldercourt soldiers, Jeanne de Metz and Bertrand de Boulegny. Meanwhile, she was summoned to Nancy under safe conduct by Charles II, Duke of Lorraine, who had heard about Joan during her stay at Valcours. Could you imagine all of these famous, like, royalty people hearing about who you are? And you're only, at that point, I think she was 17. That's how powerful teenagers can be. So don't limit. If you have teenagers in the home, don't limit them. The Duke was ill and thought she might have supernatural powers that could cure him. She offered no cures, but rep reprimanded him for living his living with his mistress. <laughs> oh, Henry V, uh, his brothers, John of Lancaster, first Duke of Bedford and Humphrey, Duke of Gloucester, had continued the English conquest of France. Most of northern France, Paris, and parts of southwestern France were under Anglo- Burgundian control. The Burgundians controlled Reims, the traditional site for the coronation of French kings. Charles had not yet been crowned, and doing so at Reims would help legitimize his claim to the throne. In July 1428, the English had started to surround Orleans and had nearly isolated it from the rest of Charles' territory by capturing many of the smaller bridge towns on the Loire River. Orleans was strategically important as the last obstacle to an assault on the remainder of Charles' territory. According to Joan's later testimony, it was around this period that her visions told her to leave the Remy to help the Dauphin Charles. Baudricourt agreed to a third meeting with Joan in February 1429, around the time the English captured an Ar Armanac relief convoy at the Battle of the Herrings during the Siege of Orleans. Their conversations, along with Metz and Poligny's support, convinced Baldecourt to allow her to go to Chinon, or Chinon for an audience with the Dauphin. Joan traveled with an escort of six soldiers. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That reminds me of when Beyonce was in the room and my brother, uh, my my brother texted me. I was in college, and uh, 
he says, you'll never guess who's in this listening room experience. And I was like, what's a listening room experience? And he's like, it's where all the top level artists release their music to each other privately before they share it to the world. I said, Ooh, that sounds cool. Who's in there? And he's like, I'll give you two guesses. I'm like, it's not Mariah Carey. He goes, Nope. One more guess. I said, shut the front door. It's not Beyonce. He goes, yeah. And she got five bodyguards around her. See, but Joan, she had six soldiers. <laughs> she had one more. Mm-mm. She was even more badass than uh, Beyonce. Pardon me, father. I do apologize for the cursing. I'm working on not cursing. I just was convicted in a sermon from, from, uh, Joyce Myers and before uh, starting this one. So I'm working on it. I do apologize, but thank you for giving me grace as I grow. And, uh, you have the grace to grow as well. Okay, back to the story. Before leaving, Joan put on men's clothes, which were provided by her escorts and the people of Valkalurs. Oh, yeah. She continued to wear men's clothes for the remainder of her life. So uh, all these people getting all butthurt about the trans community this, the trans community that, and I think it's made up. I think the stories about the school bombings and stuff like that and the attacks, I think it's all fake. It's a bunch of men that are uncomfortable with women that are powerful. We've been powerful for a long time, but we have been blocked on purpose. My husband, he never held me back from anything. He tried to retire to help me with this mission. He knew. He knew my life mission was from the Lord. He confirmed it. And he watched me for a year grow. The Holy Spirit grew it. I was obedient. I just did my part and the Holy Spirit grew Aaron Nicole Ministries from homelessness to we had by the end of the concerts presidential candidate in attendance President Trump and his wife I believe is the Queen of Russia yeah in less than uh, that was in 10 months yeah with only a few hundred dollars donated that's the Holy Spirit growing things because I was obedient. The Holy Spirit told me what I was going to do. Told me in my assignment. Told me who my target audience was. Veterans and first responders. I didn't know they were ten times more likely to contemplate suicidal ideations. Compared to average. Average Americans. I was obedient. And that. Just reading that story of Joan of Arc. That makes so much sense of why her spirit lives on everlasting life within me and that's just one of the three I have within me isn't that the coolest thing I'm so grateful now I don't desire to die at a young age like she I already survived past the 19 mark I'm 37 I do desire to live past way past 100 if the Lord would bless me and allow me to and if I am continuing to help people I desire to end global suicides completely I know it won't happen in my life time at all I desire to help empower you to find happiness from within so that you can learn this true joy and happiness from the father and if you desire to uh, become a believer and have a personal relationship with him excellent if you decide to receive some of the golden nuggets from these sermons or from my interviews with people on the show when we start interviewing again or the music brings healing to you but you want to choose your own faith or choose to believe in nature or nothingness we respect that we're not going to try to convert you 
I do, however, have to ask people at the end of sermons if they would like to connect to the Father because I have to be obedient to my faith. And in my faith system, it says if I am able to do good and I choose not to, that is sin for me. So if I'm able to speak the truth to you and I choose not to do it, then I am keeping you from a potential life of eternal peace, freedom, joy, and happiness. And I don't want to hold anybody back from that. And that's a free gift that anybody can receive at any time. So um, I would like for uh, the Holy Spirit to, to come into this presence right now. Father, are there any scriptures you'd like for me to read before I do our closing connection to you directly, Father? Okay. It's sending me to Leviticus. Leviticus what, Father? 13. 5. 13. 5. On the seventh day, the priest is to examine him. And if he sees that the sore is unchanged and has not spread in the skin, he is to keep him in isolation another seven days. On the seventh day, the priest is to examine him again. And if the sore has faded and has not spread in the skin, the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only a rash. The man must wash his clothes, and he will be clean. But if the rash does spread in his skin, after he has shown himself to the priest to be pronounced clean, he must appear before the priest again. The priest is to examine him, and if the rash has spread in the skin, he shall pronounce him unclean. It is an infectious disease. When anyone has an infectious skin disease, he must be brought to the priest. What's that, Father? He says, speak this out loud. Why have you forsaken me in your medical practice? Why have you not allowed for me to be in hospitals? America, for so long, you have separated me from America. Aaron is changing that. Aaron was obedient last year. Satanic leaders targeted my child after she was obedient to my assignment I gave her. All of you will be destroyed in my timing. Leave my children alone, or you will have to deal with me. Okay, he's sending me to James. Whew, he is not happy with some of y'all listening in. All right, Father. James is in the New Testament. It's after Hebrews. James 5, 9. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. 
the judge is standing at the door. Keep reading? Yes. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no no, or you will be condemned. Keep reading. He says, no, I want you to pause right here. Okay. He has a message. Aaron keeps her word. People on purpose hacked into her technology devices, listened in on her devices and blocked her from being able to keep her word. All of you will be destroyed, demolished, obliterated off the face of the earth. Not any one of you will survive my wrath, says the Lord. Okay, he's sending me to another verse. Ephesians 4. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will, all, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Okay, I'm going back to James. <laughs> I love it. James. James 2, 3. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom? He promised those who love him, but you have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. 
But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is found guilt is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Okay, this is give my call to action. All right. So if you desire to have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus Christ, with the Father, be able to reach out anytime and ask for anything. Uh, it's free. So just repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this gift of salvation. Father, I know I make mistakes, but I don't desire to anymore. Please come into my heart and never leave my side. I pray this in your heavenly name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, we want to welcome you to the family. Your next steps are to get plugged into a Bible-based church. You want to keep God first place. And Father, are there any asks? Okay, he says, I want you to go to your local history museum uh, in wherever you live in the world. If you're in the U.S., if there's a, uh, a state or national museum you can go to, donate as much as you can as possible. They are losing funding, and when they lose funding, people are going to start erasing and changing history. They need as much funding to keep our history alive as possible. I think that's a very good ask, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Anything else, Father, before I close it up? Okay. All right, here we go. Don't forget to tell someone you love them today. And we'll see you next time.